Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone, welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 332 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Joining me again this week, the guru of RedsMinorLeagues.com and Red Leg Nation, your friend and mine, Doug Gray. How are you today, Doug? I'm good, Chad. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing all right. Feeling really optimistic that we're about to have some some baseball. You know, uh, every year uh, I've been uh, you know writing this column at the Cincinnati Magazine, and every year right before uh, opening day, I, I write a piece, sort of reviewing the off season, and then uh, the, the next week before opening day, I'll write one previewing the season. That's kind of the way we've we've done it. And, you know, I. <laughs> I was all ready to write that back in March, and then things went crazy on us. But it finally, finally, uh, that first column of the year came out today, and I'll ask all of my friends to go out. Since I'm not on uh, Twitter to kind of push it a little bit, I need you all to go and share it on all your Twitter accounts and your Facebook feeds and all that stuff for me since I can't, you know, uh, pimp it on my own like I used to do on Twitter. But, but anyway, uh, the point was, it's ridiculous that it's July but I found myself as I was sitting there writing and getting more and more excited about, all right, finally, you know, at least, you know, I'm hopeful that we're going to get at least some baseball and it's really close. And I'm, I, for the first time, I mean, I'd been excited before, but as I was writing that, I really, for the first time, really felt it, that oh, this, this is going to be good. This team has a chance to be really good and this is going to be fun, even though it's different than we expected. Uh, you having any of those thoughts as we near what's been said as opening day, Doug? I mean, I've been sitting here at my house watching the Reds' scrimmages. I mean, Chad, we're talking about scrimmages. They're playing against themselves. Practice? We're talking yes. about practice? Um, see, we're old people, Chad. We get that reference. If you're 20, you have no idea what we're talking about, probably. Yeah, if you don't get that uh, reference, tweet us <clears throat> at Red Leg Radio and, and let us know. But it, it's been fun. It, it's really been fun. And it, it's weird to say that because, again, like you said, it's, it's July. Like, I, I shouldn't be getting excited over watching guys basically have live batting practice but but here i am every day i'm tuning in getting excited i mean goodness gracious trevor bauer looked really good today like i i don't remember him looking this good at all last year with the reds now granted he wasn't really uh much to write home about last year with the reds after they acquired him but whoo he looked good today and we always have to caution ourselves from uh, making too much of any kind of spring training uh performances but man you see something like that and you start thinking Man, if he can be something close to what he was, you know, a couple of years ago with the Indians, and all, all, all of a sudden it's a uh, even better rotation than we expect. So yeah, it's 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 fun times, and I'm going to keep making this dumb joke for as long as I can. But I love being here in the literally the middle of July, and the Reds are still tied for first. Hoorah! Unde- yeah, also undefeated. Gotta love that. I mean, they're on pace for for a record, right? Last time they were undefeated. In July, it has to be 1869, I think. Yeah, and I mean, they they ran away with the, the division, right? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that, yes. So let's talk about some of the news from the week. You did mention Trevor Bauer here today. Now, I didn't get a chance to watch it. I just uh, saw the commentary later about how he did. Uh, he looked really good today? He really did. I mean, he had everything working. He he was, oh my gosh, he, he froze Tyler Stevenson with a two-seam fastball that ran back across the corner of the plate. I mean, it was an unhittable pitch. And, you know, I mean, he threw five in a third innings, and the third was after he had already retired three guys in the fifth inning. He just hadn't quite reached his pitch count yet, so they let him stick out or uh, stay out there and throw another uh, throw to another hitter, got him out. The only hit he allowed was a bloop opposite field double 
to Aristides Aquino. And I mean, he sawed him off, and it just it just happened to fall in no man's land over the first baseman's head. Now, he walked one guy, he struck out eight guys. I mean, it Gosh. was it it was it was nice, Chad. It was nice. You know, Bauer, and this is probably has nothing to do with any kind of reality, but he's one guy that I have thought uh, during this break. You wonder which players are are working out, keeping themselves in shape, what they're doing. Bauer's one guy that I've kind of wondered: could this be a, a real, uh, you know, positive for him getting a few extra months to kind of work on the things he does and the extra rest? And he's just got such a unique workout regimen, and he's so serious about tweaking uh, what he's doing and, and trying to perfect what he's doing. And I, he's one guy that I've wondered whether this. Uh, I mean, we know the guys like Nixon Zella and, and Eugenio Suarez benefited by, by being able to get fully healthy. But Bauer's the kind of guy that I, I don't know. I just I, I wonder if the extra time to work and correct what was messing him up uh, last year might be, and that may be just be wishful thinking for me. But boy, it'd be fun to, to see him back in like he was when he was uh, almost a Cy Young winner, right? Definitely, and I mean, let, let's just pretend that you're wrong here, Chad, which clearly never happens. But let's just pretend for a second <laughs> that you're wrong. I still think that we can all probably agree that Trevor Bauer's going to show up ready to go. Right, I mean, with, with the work that he puts oh, yeah. in, he's not going to show up unprepared. And I, I think that we're 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 going to get 100% Trevor Bauer right from the get go. Yeah, he's right. You're right. We talk about uh, some of the pitchers having a need time to get ramped up a little bit more, and he's not one you have to worry about. There are lots of uh, th- negative things you can say about Trevor Bauer. Certainly, we've talked about some of them on the podcast over the years, but uh, you can't question his commitment. And his dedication to, to to being ready to go. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. Another guy that's going to be maybe ready to go, Derek Dietrich. You know, when the initial spring training 2.0, or what would, he, what would we call it? Spring training 2 electric boogaloo. When those rosters were announced and Dietrich wasn't on it, we were all like, wait, what's, what's that all about? And, you know, I kind of thought in the back of my head, well, I wonder if he's, I wonder if he has COVID, you know, they can announce about it. We, I didn't talk about that publicly because I didn't think it was right to speculate about something like that. And uh, I know a lot of people had that thought as well. But it seemed really strange. We did talk about it on the podcast. Why he, Why is he not there? Well, obviously we know now that he has been named, he's been added to the Red 60-man player pool. And the reason why, as, as Dietrich told everyone, uh, he had tested positive in Florida for COVID-19, said he had few symptoms, uh, you know, was very fortunate. But, uh, you know, he uh, he said this thing's a... This thing is a is a is a big deal, you know. No, we don't want anyone to get it, but uh, but he's he's clear now. He's back, and so that makes a whole lot more sense now. Whether he helps the Reds, I don't know. You know, I, I like Derek Dietrich. Matter of fact, I love having Derek Dietrich around. But is he going to help the team? I don't know. Any thoughts on Derek Dietrich, Doug? I mean, the only thing that I really feel like I should add to what you said already is that yeah, he's one of those players that probably has an opt out and. I mean, he gets to decide on Saturday whether he's going to opt out or not. And, I mean, for the Reds, what do they do with that? I mean, he today, or yesterday was his first practice, which I guess if you're listening to this on Friday, so that'd be Wednesday, was the first day he had any practice since, I don't know, mid-March. Um, I mean, what, what do the Reds do with that? Because they need to tell the guy whether he's going to make the team or not. Uh, and, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, David, David Bell had mentioned today when he met with the media that, you know, they haven't made any decisions on guys that have opt-out uh, options on Saturday. Um, and so it, it's still something they're trying to figure out. He said they're getting close to figuring it out, but they're not there yet. Um, and, you know, he said they had a few players like that. I, I'm pretty sure that Dietrich is one of them. 
And I mean, I don't know what the the prorated salary is, but you know, he was going to get two million dollars before they kind of cut everything off and cut short the season. Um, if if he's going to be a guy who you know, might be the twenty fourth or twenty fifth man on the roster, um, I mean, I I I know I've talked publicly about how I you know feel about the owners claiming they're they're not making any money because of all the TV revenue that they've gotten everything, but I mean, if you're trying to save money every which way you can, uh, what's the difference between Derek Dietrich and, say, Josh Van Meter or Christian Cologne salary-wise? It's about four times, whatever it works out to be. And what's I the mean, difference it, between them <clears throat> on the field? Well, not much, because I don't right. think any of them are going to play much. Exactly. I mean, they're all corner infielders or, I mean, maybe a second baseman or corner outfielders. Well, the Reds have a million different options there. Yeah, I think uh, in baseball terms, you could certainly justify adding Dietrich to your roster. I think, you know, he could uh, – I like Derek Dietrich, okay? And I've liked him since they signed him. He was never as good as as he was in the first couple of seasons or a couple of months last season. But uh, he was st- he's still a, a, a player that can bring some value to a major league organization. But he's not going to play a lot in a 60-game season. There's just no way. He's going to be the last guy on the bench or the next to last guy on the bench. And they're just not – as we've talked about in previous episodes of the podcast, and as, as Doug, as you and I have talked about – the last time we t- spoke on here, there's just not going to be very many at bats. I don't think anyone believes for those kind of fringy type players. The question for Dietrich is going to be, can I hook on somewhere else where I'm going to get a better opportunity? Uh, you know, I don't know that he can know that, uh, especially given then I don't know if other teams will take a, a chance on him, especially because he's not had a chance to really uh, practice and work out. You know, now I'm sure he's been down there in Florida working on his cool. If you want, if you're looking for a guy that's cool, that's your guy. He's the man. Well, I mean, he he did say he's in the best shape of his life right now because he spent all that time working out. I mean, <laughs> well, I believe Dietrich, him. He always looked like he was in pretty good shape. So <laughs> yeah, no, he he's a guy that uh, always liked to uh, keep in shape. So I'm I'm sure that he has been doing that. But yeah, it's it's a big decision for him, and it's a big decision for the Reds. I, you know, I, do I take him over Josh Van Meter? Frankly, I don't think I do. I think Van Meter's a, a better defender at uh, different spots around the field, a little more versatile. If that's what you're choosing between. But Dietrich has some value, and I like his I like his bat, and I, you know I like the the left handed power off the bench. How much we're we gonna need that this year? I don't know. I guess you want to have the best player in every uh, spot on the roster. But I, you're right. That's a, that's a big decision. So it'll be interesting to see what the Reds do. Are you surprised that uh, no one else uh, for the Reds has been announced to have uh, contracted uh, the COVID? I I mean I am just because it seems like every other team has had multiple cases just about. Um, and the Reds just haven't. I mean, it's Derek Dietrich, and that's it. I mean, you know they, what? They, they brought back the, those 57 players out of the 61 that they had uh, you know, in spring training. One guy retired, one guy got suspended, and the other was Derek Dietrich, and then a double-A backup catcher that was just there in spring training to fill out the roster to, so they needed or they had someone to catch enough pitchers. That was it. So Everybody got, else has been fine. We got 58 to... Players on the sixty-man uh, roster at this time, and yeah, I'm, a, I'm I would be surprised, but you know the reason why? Since Cincinnati's heaven, that virus is not hitting Cincinnati. No comment. <laughs> is this heaven? No, it's it's the West Side. Well, I mean, I am on the West Side right now, and I don't. There you I don't go. Know about all that, Chad. Other news of the week: Nick Senzel. You've heard of Nick Senzel, Doug? I think, right? I, I, I have heard of Nick Senzel before, once or twice, yes. Yes. Nick Senzel uh, got uh, injured this week. Hopper extended his elbow, uh, his left elbow, evidently on a, on a 
particularly hard swing, uh, kind of a day-to-day thing. At one point, you know, he missed uh, about three or four days, and he's back now, ready to go. But David Bell said at the time, you know, if it were the actual season, he probably would have been playing. But, you know, we're playing it safe. So Nick Senzel was hurt again, kind of. But he's healthy and, and good to go. So Nick Senzel, how many games does he play in this season? If I were setting the over-under, I'd set it at 45. Because I, I do think that he's going to get, you know, a few off days here and there just to kind of, you know, deal with the outfield situation. Um, and so, you know, he, he's going to get some off days, and they're going to throw Shogo Akiyama out there in center field. Uh, and, and Nick's just going to sit on the bench, you know, maybe once a week or, uh, you know, three times every two weeks or whatever for that situation. And, you know, guys do just get dinged up every so often. I mean, you're you're going to need an off day here or there, and maybe that just happens to be that, you know, it didn't come on your your quote unquote scheduled off day. So, someone uh, shot me a text and was like, "Ah, oh, Senzel got hurt again," and I'm like, "Oh no, that here comes the narrative, you know, uh, that Senzel is uh, is injury prone, and certainly he has been the last two or three years. Although it's not always been injury, it's been the you know the vertigo as well, and and some fluke things like the the ball that bounced up and uh, caught him in the hand, but." It was sort of another. Uh, it's more uh, more fuel for the fire that he's he's injury prone. To that, I say, you know, until the vertigo stuff started happening, he really had never been injured in his college or pro career. And who knows? You know, I, maybe maybe he is injury prone, whatever that means. But uh, I, I take the over on forty five games. I think he's going to be a key member of this team, and a lot's going to depend on how he hits. I think early on. I think if he really comes out of the gate strong, I think he'll play his way into a lot of playing time. And the Reds have already said they intend to play him in center field. We talked about that last week, but uh, as, as much as they can, because he, he needs to, still trying to learn the position. But uh, did you see the uh, the home run he hit against uh, Michael Lorenzen uh, last week? Yeah, it landed in my in my backyard uh, last night. It, it finally came down. So he destroyed nice. it, didn't he? He did. I, I got a nice souvenir out of it and everything. So you know, if you guys want to check out eBay, you know, next week it'll be up there. You can put in your bids. We all know that I'm a. A Senzel partisan, but I, you know, I, I do think he's set, he was set for a breakout season. I hope that there are going to be some guys in this season, this short season, small samples that are going to start slowly and their numbers are not going to look good, and and a narrative is going to be created around them. A guy like Senzel, if he doesn't start well, and so his numbers in the, the year start don't look great, there are going to be people that are saying, "Oh, bust." And there are going to be people that are going to do really well. Like, what if Freddie Galvis comes out and plays out of his mind for the first 30 games? And his numbers are great at the end of the season. People are going to be like, oh, man, this guy's an all-star. You know, he's he's better than the immortal Jose Iglesias. So I, just, I hope that that doesn't happen to guys like Sinzel. That, no, but I really hope it happens to Freddie Galvis. Well, because it helps the Reds. Yes, that's, yes, absolutely. And plus, it could happen to Galvis because, let's be honest, there has to be some magical power in that gorgeous hair of his. I mean, I yes, unquestionably. Best hair on the Reds got to be Gallus, right? I mean, yeah. Or Votto. Yeah. I mean, I maybe, maybe Travis. Have you seen Have you seen that flow from Travis Jankowski? <laughs> it's looking it's, it's looking pretty good. It's not bad. Votto wins least hair, probably grayest hair. Yeah, uh, well, Gallus. It's got to be somebody, right? It does. It does. Some of us have to be the old guy. So now, what else happened this week that we can talk about? Oh, let's see here. We got a few things. Oh, you know what uh, was interesting? What da- was that? David Bell talked a little this week about what the the roster would look like, and it, because it's a thirty man roster to start the season, obviously, 
And I've wondered how many pitchers they're going to take. How, you know, are they going to have to take more relievers because pitchers won't be able to go as long? I don't know. And basically, Bell said, if you have more position players, in some ways that can allow you to pull out all the stops and try to win a game. Pitching is obviously very important. We have to make sure we're covered every day there. Uh, but we, he wants he wants hitters to create to create matchups because with a three batter minimum rule, which pitchers you know have to relief pitchers have to pitch at least uh, three three hitters, then that will create some uh, pinch hitting opportunities where a guy will have to pitch, you know, a righty will have to pitch to a lefty, and so that's something I hadn't thought about that will create more pinch hitting opportunities than I than I'd considered before. But anyway, he said uh, probably closer to fifteen, fifteen, sixteen, fourteen with the sixteen position players, fourteen pitchers. 15-15. 15 pitchers seems like a lot of pitchers. Any thoughts on what the Reds are thinking about doing there and what they should do? I mean, 16-14 makes sense if you're... I mean, the Reds sound confident in their their starting pitchers being ready. Uh, and if that's the case, you don't need 15 pitchers. You, you do not need a 10-man bullpen. Um, so 16-14 makes a lot of sense, especially because, you know, as, as David Bell mentioned, you can play that matchup game. And the Reds have a lot of quality options that they can go to off of the bench to create those kind of situations that are very beneficial for them if the opposing manager tries to bring in that, you know, the right-handed specialist to face righties in your lineup or the left-handed specialist to face lefties in your lineup. Uh, they, they can go a lot of different ways with those guys. Yeah, and if you're going with 14 pitchers, 16 position players, 14 pitchers, that 14 pitchers, that basically means you've got nine relief pitchers. And, and, and my thought is that uh, ninth reliever, Needs to be a guy like Tyler Malley, somebody that can go, you know, can pitch a few innings if you need him to, you know, uh, sort of your long man. Let that be Tyler Malley. Or if a starter gets hurt, you can go ahead and, and sh- shift him in. But 14 pitchers seems like plenty to me, but I think everybody's kind of, who knows? There's no actual strategy. We talk about managers managing by the book, which we've seen so many years, and that's why David Bell, in a lot of ways, was so refreshing last year. He did not manage by the book. The foreword of that book was written by Dusty Baker. But it seems to me like even in a, a shortened season that 14 pitchers would be plenty, but nobody knows is, is the point I'm trying to make because we've never seen anything like that. So it's going to be really interesting to see not just what the Reds do, but what everybody else does. And I know that teams are going to be looking at the uh, around the league to see what everyone else does. And it's just, that's kind of actually one of the fun things about this, this kind of just one off season is that nothing that has happened before really has any bearing on what's going to happen this year. And I don't know. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm here for it. I mean, you know, earlier this week, David Bell kind of mentioned that, you know, they, they could go to a situation where, you know, they're, they're pulling starting pitchers quicker because every game matters a little bit more. And so, you know, if a guy gets out to a tough start, you know, Hey, we don't have, we don't have time to see if you still got in the third, fourth, fifth innings and let the game get away from us. Uh, and so, you know, in, in that situation, maybe the having 15 pitchers would help. But I don't think you plan your entire roster around that scenario. Um, right. So. I agree. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. We'll be finding out sooner rather than later. This week, and of course Doug wrote a good piece about this at Red Leg Nation, where you need to be going every single day to get all your Reds news. Uh, it's by far the best source for Reds news. And, and I, I can tell you that. Because uh, I read them all, and uh, Doug is, and and the crew there are just keeping up on everything, and I really appreciate what they're what they're bringing to the table. I, I would have missed this article at MLB.com where Anthony uh, Castrovince rated the ten best rotations in baseball. And uh, Doug, why don't you tell us uh, how that one how that one turned out? Well, the the Reds weren't number one, which 
you know, that that stinks because I, I would like it if they were number one. Yes, number one's better. They weren't number two either. Oh, the Reds stink. They were number three. Ooh. I, that number three out of 30, Chess, pretty good. It's not the best. That one, that one went to the Washington Nationals. It wasn't the second best, which went to the Tampa Bay Rays. But right there at number three was the, the Cincinnati Reds, very, like very, very much at the very top of the National League. I like that. I do like that very, very much. So yeah, you know the defending champs, uh, Tampa Bay, and they do have a legit uh, rotation. Charlie Moore and Blake Snell, especially at the top of that the rotation, Tyler Glasnow. But yeah, number three in all of baseball. But you know, I think about all the lost years of the two thousands, the last two decades, when the Reds. Had, you know, the Duns and the Griffies and the Kearnses and all that bunch and the Felipe Lopez's and could score runs but never had any pitching at all. You know, it's it's Aaron Harang and a cast of thousands. So to see the Reds legitimately ranked by an independent source as the number three rotation in baseball is just amazing to me. And then when you start looking, digging deeper, you realize, you know what? They really do have a case for number two or number one. Maybe not number one, because the top of the Nationals rotation is awful strong, the top three. Yes, that's pretty good. <laughs> but the Reds have a case for being one of the top two rotations in baseball, and it just it blows my mind because I'm from well, – no one that's alive today remembers the Reds having a great rotation, except for for a very short period in the mid uh, – around 2010 or so when they had that. But even then, I don't know that they were a top three rotation. It's – it's just really exciting to me. And another thing that we need to be uh, really pumped up about as Reds fans, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, looking at the National League Central, I mean, the only other team in the National League Central that was in the top 10 was the St. Louis Cardinals at number 10. <sighs> so, I mean, there, there's a, that's a pretty big gap between where the Reds are and where the next best rotation is within the division. Two points I want to make. Number one, you just violated the rule. You're not supposed to talk about that team from uh, St. Louis. What if I said, but I'm saying bad things. Oh, oh. Well, okay. All right. You're, you're forgiven for now. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not. Cl- they're clearly not as good as the Reds. That's yeah. that's what I was saying. Like, Cardinals stink. That's that's safe, right? <laughs> exactly. It's always you're always free to talk about how bad the Cardinals stink here. And if you add the Cubs into that conversation, you become an inner circle Hall of Famer at the Red Leg Nation Radio's Hall of Fame. The second point I want to make at the Athletic this week, they had a kind of a poll from, I guess, what they call industry insiders. Yeah, whatever, whatever that means. <laughs> What's an industry insider? I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I wish I knew though. Like, am I an industry insider? Like, do I count? Or? Sure, why not? It, yeah, well, I mean, they did. They didn't ask me, so apparently I don't. It reminds me of the time, you know, for about four or five years there, I was writing pretty regularly for uh, uh, ESPN.com, their baseball coverage over there. And uh, if you missed the time that I got mentioned on SportsCenter, I'll have to show you the video on that. That was a highlight of my career. But anyway. They did like a, a preseason poll on everything, you know, who's going to every division and who's going to win MVP and stuff like that. And they asked me and a bunch of the other, other people that had kind of helped out with the coverage to, to join in on that. And then when they announced the results of the poll, they said they called it the ESPN experts poll. And we we polled all of our baseball experts about who's going to do it. And I'm like, oh, I got to put that on my resume. ESPN.com just called me a baseball expert. And these like, people that would, that, would, that would be my resume. Like, that's <laughs> it. That's the only thing that would be, just be a piece of paper. It says baseball expert dash ESPN. <laughs> yeah, don't tempt me. I actually may do that. But, uh, you know, these people listen to me on this podcast, all my friends and neighbors that listen uh, so faithfully every week. And I appreciate you all staying with us throughout the uh, the lost season uh, so far in 2020. But 
they all know. Come on, this guy's just a Yahoo. He's not a he doesn't, he's not an expert, but it's it's in black and white. But anyway, enough of bragging on myself being an expert. This uh, this poll they polled twenty industry insiders about the top sixty starting pitchers. Uh, they used Fangraphs uh, wins by replacement um, to do that. Plus they added Dallas Keuchel, I guess, evidently. And I, I'm I'm literally reading this from Doug's coverage at Red Lake Nation. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, they asked who were aces, who were you know players that oh, might be an ace and not quite there yet, and you know you know the rest basically. And what was interesting to me is that. And maybe I'm wrong here, but I think three Reds pitchers got votes as being aces. That's kind of amazing to me. Now the 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 order that they're in is kind of surprising, but can you imagine ever having a Reds rotation where three guys you could argue, as some people did here, some industry insiders did, are actually aces? And I'm, of course, I'm talking about Luis Castillo, uh, Sonny Gray, and Trevor Bauer. That's that kind of surprised me. I mean, I've been imagining it my whole life. It's never been reality, but I've been imagining <laughs> it my whole life. So, um, were you surprised at uh, the order of the votes? Yeah, the, the order is more so what got me. Uh, Luis Castillo got the most votes. Um, I, he had two ace votes, but his overall ranking was higher than everybody else's among the Reds pitchers, which... Uh, you can argue either way between him and Sonny Gray. I can, I, I can, I can make that argument both ways and and feel confident in it. But Sonny Gray wasn't the number two guy. Trevor Bauer was, and I just struggle to figure out exactly how that happens. Uh, Trevor Bauer got two ace votes, and Sonny Gray only got one. And I, Trevor Bauer's had one season in his career where he was actually like all star level good. I mean, he, he was great. Very, he was he was very very yeah. good that year, but Trevor Bauer's been around for what seven years now, and he's had that one season. I mean, Sonny Gray has got three or four seasons that good, oh, and yeah. one of them was last year. So I I, I, I struggled to figure that one out, and that, I I feel like I'm talking bad about Trevor Bauer right now, but I feel it's just more me saying Sonny Gray is better than he was given credit for. Yeah, the, for some reason, with Trevor Bauer, people remember the the greatness that year, and he was probably better in that year than Sonny Gray's ever been in in, in the individual season. But Sonny Gray was a legit ace for the Oakland Athletics, and I wonder if there's a little bit of lingering. Uh, you know, he went to New York and he fell flat on his face. So he just got you know, even though he showed last year that Sonny Gray is every bit as good as he was for Oakland. Um, so again, this is you know we're talking about a poll of twenty people, so let's not get too hung up on it. But I'm like you, I was surprised that Trevor Bauer could get ranked ahead. Uh, quickly about the rotation. What I love about this rotation, I meant to mention this a moment ago when we were talking about it. I look at this rotation and I see five guys who I have every expectation that all five guys in the rotation, and frankly, uh, there's a sixth guy that if he were in the rotation, I would add him to this list. And of course, I'm talking about Tyler Malley. But I look at the five guys that are expected to be in the Reds rotation, and I can't see a single one that I expect to be below average this season. And, and that's just, that's very, very uh, rare in Reds history. And of course, I'm talking about uh, Castillo, Gray, and Bauer. We talked about you got Wade Miley and Anthony DiSclafani. And uh, am I am I overstating it? I think they're all five above average. And, and I think Tyler Malley would be above, above average if he could crack this rotation, but he can't. I mean, definitely one through five, I'm with you. Uh, I, I, can, I can see either way for Tyler Malley. I mean, we, we've seen it before. It was the first half last year. He was really good. 
but he really tailed off in the second half, and so you kind of have to wonder, was that him just tailing off, you know, maybe wearing down, or did teams figure him out and he needs to make the adjustment, and we just don't know if he's gonna if he can make it yet or not. I, I, I don't really have that answer because we haven't seen what he can go out there and do yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if for one reason or the other, Tyler Malley makes his way into the rotation, and, you know, he, he does what he did in the first half last year. Well, if somebody gets hurt, he's going to be the first option, you would think, but... Um... Tyler Malley's about to come become my uh, next pet project. I think Nick Senzel kind of became my pet project there for a while, and uh, I think uh, I think that Tyler Malley's about to become the next one. I, I'm a, still a believer, and uh, someone's going to get hurt. He's going to get a chance. But do you think if everyone remains healthy, do you think he's on the opening day roster? I think so. I, I think that especially because it's going to be 30 players. Um, you know, if, if it were only 26, maybe you don't bring him on as, as a long man. Um, but at 30 players, I, I think that he'll make it and they might not even use him. They are, well, I guess they'll probably get him some work at some point. Cause he, even when you have to trim down the roster a little bit, that's two weeks from then. So they're, they're going to get him sometime, but I, I think that they're, they're, they're going to hedge their bet in, in a situation just in case and have him as the long man to go along with, you know, I think they said Lucas Sims might be another option as a long man, uh, early on in the season. But yeah, I, I think that the, the, the 30 man thing plays into his favor right now. Yeah, and frankly, I think that when they when it gets eventually cut down to twenty six, I could see them keeping Malley around uh, as well because it's not like they can send him to AAA to keep getting innings, you know. So I could see them justifying keeping him on the roster as the long man, and uh, and same with Sims if somebody else gets hurt. I mean, Sims is right there with uh, right behind Malley, but yeah, I think you're right. I think he'll definitely be there at the beginning. I think there's a pretty good chance he'll be there the whole season. Let's talk about another pitcher on this Cincinnati Red staff, and it's one who's, I don't know, his star has fallen a little bit in my eyes, and I hate to say that because I have been very vocal about the fact that I believe Rosella Iglesias is as talented as just about any pitcher in baseball. I've been saying that for years. Now, he had a not good year last year. But before last year coming into last season, I was like, this guy, I mean, he's, he's one of these guys that I just I love watching him pitch because he does – he can make that baseball do crazy things. He changes arm angles. He's, he, I've always compared him to, I called him a talented Bronson Arroyo. You know, he's, he's way better. I think than, than a lot of people give him credit for last year. Some of the shine came off that star when he said, basically, you remember, we don't have to get back into it, but I want to be a closer. I want to pitch the ninth inning. They're bringing me in, in all these uh, tough spots. I want to pitch in the ninth inning when we're up by three runs. Now, that's not what he said. But that was the the effect of it, which is that he got moved to back to what we would call a traditional closer role. And I think David Bell made some comments this week, Doug. Looks like we're probably going to get him in the same, uh, that same type of usage this year. Is that what you took away from those comments? Yeah, I mean, you know, David Bell kind of said it. I mean, he was like, you know, hey, that's where he's comfortable at. And we saw that last year. Uh, and so, you know, we're going to try and do that, basically, is what he said. I'm, I'm paraphrasing right now because I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but that's basically what he said. Um, and so, you know, I, I would not expect to see Iglesias show up too often when it's not a ninth inning uh, at home tie game or save situation. I think that that's just kind of this the, the area that they feel that he's going to perform his best at. And thankfully, I mean, at least from my side of of things the Reds have a pretty deep and strong bullpen that they don't need necessarily to be like okay well Rysel is our guy he's the the quote-unquote fireman you know the Reds have a few different options they can go to there um you know to kind of bridge that gap to their quote-unquote closer where you know some other teams may not have that and if 
they had Rice Iglesias, they might be in a little bit more trouble than the Reds are. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that may minimize the issue here. But, you know, for years, Rosella Iglesias has been the single best pitcher in that bullpen. And we've been railing for as long as we've been doing the podcast to have your best reliever pitching in the most high leverage situations. And, yes, we're fortunate the Reds do have a bunch of other options to do that. But it kills me that Roselle Iglesias is, I would say, not willing. He's not willing to take on that role. He doesn't want to be in those tough spots. He wants to be... He wants to be a closer from nineteen, you know, ninety one. That comes in the, in the ninth inning. And the quote from David Bell was: "We talked about. We've seen that he's more comfortable pitching with the lead last year in the ninth. There's no denying that. That'll be a part of the decision making process. Also, there's no doubt that sixty games we're going to do everything we can to win. So I don't know. I just I I stand behind no one in my love of Rosella Iglesias until you know about twelve months ago, <laughs> which time I was like, oh, come on, man, you're really good." Let's use you in, a, in, in the way that helps the Reds win games best. But, I, you know, I don't know. David Bell's with him every day. If he really doesn't have the, the mental makeup, which is what it sounds like we're, we're hearing, and he said it out loud, Iglesias did, to pitch in those uh, situations, then I guess what do you do? You, you use some, someone else in that, uh, in that spot. I, just, it, I feel like I'm an old guy yelling at the, uh, at the clouds but or yelling for somebody to get off my lawn, but... I just it rubs me the wrong way that he was so vocal. Still to this day, uh, rubs me the wrong way. He was so vocal about not wanting to to help the Reds in the situation where they most need it. Oh, yeah. Are you feel the same way? Yeah, and uh, the whole thing is just so weird because when he signed his extension, like he and Dick Williams both kind of said, like right there, cameras rolling, that he was doing. He was signing this extension at this price. So that they could use him in different situations rather than save situations, um, and they were paying him like a closer, because, well, we're getting out of arbitration now, where you're only going to get paid if you're getting saves, and so that's why the whole contract went through the way that it did, and so, you know, everybody was expecting Iglesias to be comfortable, to be willing to pitch in those situations, and then when it came time to do it, he just either decided he didn't want to then or he wasn't comfortable, which I guess you wouldn't know necessarily that you weren't comfortable until you get out there and do it. Um, but I, the whole thing is weird to me. I mean, you're one of the best players on the planet. How are you not comfortable? Like, I, if you were a guy who struggled with the pressure, then you couldn't have been a closer. So I don't know. It, I struggle to put it together, Chad. I really do. You're right. I mean, if you're a closer, I joke about coming in in the ninth with a three-run lead. That's the closer. But it's not always the closer. You know, sometimes you are in tough spots, heart of the order coming up, uh, you know, in the ninth inning as well. And I don't wonder if he's getting, if it's a mental thing, if it's a, he's getting bad advice. I think in free agency, Showing that you're versatile enough to come in earlier. I think at this day and age where people are more aware of analytics, it actually helps him. It's not like, you know, 15 years ago where you had to pile up saves in order to get paid. Now, maybe in arbitration, I think you're right. Uh, that's a different situation. You need to get those saves to convince the, uh, the arbitrator that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more valuable than I am if I get fewer fewer saves. But it just it, it doesn't make sense because we've seen him in tough spots in the ninth inning. And we've seen him shut down the other team and to, to lead to a Reds win. Of course, I'm pretending that the Reds have won very many games 
during the time that he was closer, but it's I don't get it. And I guess I understand why the Reds are kind of acquiescing. They're kind of sort of relenting to his uh, where he's most comfortable. But I don't know. I just I want to love Roselle Iglesias, and I have for his whole career. But now I'm just like, dude, really? <sighs> I mean, I literally while we're having this conversation, it, it came into my mind that I feel like this is kind of a thing that we would always say with Dusty Baker is that you have to give him a roster where you can't let, like, there's not a bad choice to make. Right. And that, I, fortunately, I feel like that that's kind of what's going on now that, you know, the Reds bullpen is, is pretty good. So there's not really a, a wrong choice. There might be a better choice, but you know, there's not a, there's not a bad choice among the bunch for the most part that, uh, at least, at least from where I'm sitting, I'm not looking at anybody in the bullpen going, you know, I don't want that guy on the mound right now. I feel, I feel pretty confident with all of them, more confident with some of them than others, but I feel pretty good about any of them. Yeah, I mean, you, you put a list on uh, at Red Lake Nation, and you, know, you look at that list, and there are situations where you can see see each of these guys and think, oh yeah, I'm definitely comfortable with that. You know, we're talking about Michael Lorenzen, Amir Garrett, uh, Robert Stevenson, Pedro Strope, Cody Reed, Lucas Sims. I mean, all guys that in particular situations, you're right, some are better than others, but the Reds have some pretty good pitchers out there. But man, you want your hammer to be the guy that if you need him. You can you can have him, and I I, I don't want to feel like I'm hammering Iglesias too much, but it really it doesn't help the Reds reach their potential if he's not willing, and and the Reds are just going to relent on that. I don't know, bugs me. Can we can we talk about Pedro Strope? We can talk about whatever you want, Chad. This is your podcast. Oh yeah, I forgot you, about that. You set the rules. I forgot about that. Here's what I want to say about Pedro Strope. Now, he has something really working against him in terms of becoming one of my favorite players. And I, I bet you can guess what that one thing is that's really working against him. He didn't go to the University of Virginia? Well, that's another thing. Oh. There's two things. That plus, he's been a Chicago Cub. And there's still a little bit of a stank on him from that, you know? Yeah, but you got to remember, he got away. He left. He, yeah. he on purpose. I mean, he made the decision. Ugh, I got to get yeah. away from that much. The thing that really makes him probably is he's going to end up becoming my favorite player ever, I think. And you know what it is? It's because he wears his cap at a jaunty angle. It's fantastic, Chad. I love it. He wears that cap at a jaunty angle, Doug Gray, don't you? I mean, it's just it's the most amazing thing ever. It's way more important than the fact that he's a really good pitcher. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with your statement. How much criticism is he going to get? You're still on the Twitters. How much uh, criticism is he going to get on the Twitters for uh, for wearing that cap at such? I love saying jaunty. If you haven't noticed, at such a jaunty angle. I mean, I don't think I'm going to see too much of it because I've blocked too many people to continue to see those kinds of people uh, that, for some reason, care about how someone wears their hat uh, in in a bad way. I think that it's it's great. And Pedro, if you're listening, keep wearing it like that. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm sure that there's going to be some people out there complaining and crying about it, but, you know, that's going to be literally anything. Yeah, a lot you of that will be there, on there, Facebook. There, there, there's people out there that they complain that somebody doesn't run around the bases fast enough when they ho- hit a home run for their favorite team. So you, you can't win with some people. It's true. I, I'm kind of looking uh, forward. Actually, I kind of miss um, our, our buddy Coop, who does the uh, Hunt for Reds October podcast, on which you've appeared. I have yet to appear on that podcast, but I'm, I'm announcing now that I'm going to appear on that podcast sometime within the next two months. Now they've not asked me to appear uh, in the next two, within the next two months, but I'm, I'm announcing that if they ask me sometime within the next two months, I will appear on that podcast. And I'm sending Coop a DM right now about this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't have to, come on, you don't have to do that. Let's, make, let's see if they're listening. Okay. But uh, no, but uh, I completely lost my, my, oh, 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 
He does that uh, today in Red's Facebook Twitter account. He's still doing that. And I guarantee there are going to be some salty Pedro Strope uh, Facebook posts uh, this year when he comes into a game and he's got that cap just not perfectly straight. And uh, I want to see the picture of him with when the, when the, the shortstop comes out to the pitcher to just say a couple words to him. Freddie Galvis with the crazy hair and Pedro Strope with the jaunty cap. That's That will blow Facebook up. Yeah, some people's heads are literally going to explode, yeah. and I'm I'm here for it. Oh, I'm at, listen. I, I wish every player would wear their hair uh, as crazy as they can wear it. You know, have some individuality. When I was uh, when I was younger, I didn't ever grow my hair long, and I've regretted it ever since. And now, you know, it's. I guess I still could, but it'd be kind of sad <laughs> to grow my hair long at this point. But I encourage my son, hey, grow it however you want it. Someday it's going to turn gray and fall out. So. Yeah. Anyway, that was kind of an aside about uh, Pedro Strope. One last thing I want to talk to you about, Doug, and this is a little bit more in your bailiwick. For years, you know, before you came the guy at Red Leg Nation, you were the uh, Reds Minor League, and you still are the Reds Minor League's guru. I want to talk about two guys. The first of those is Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson, of course, Reds catcher. Where do you have him ranked in your newly updated top 25 that you need to go to redsminorleagues.com to look at immediately? Where do you have Tyler Stevenson ranked? I've got him number three, right behind Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. There you go. That's a pretty good uh, top three, frankly. Um, Tyler Stevenson is a guy that was expected, I guess, to start at AAA this year. He's never been above AA yet. But I saw a pretty interesting uh, quote from David Bell this week that basically said, you know, we've kept him in the loop with all of our major league guys. You know, they did Zoom meetings during the, the quarantine with uh, J.R. House. And they had Stevenson doing all the things that the big league catchers were doing. And he said, basically, uh, he hasn't played above double-A, but he's coming on fast, and we believe in him. We're going to develop him. There's no limitations on when he can arrive. It can happen at any time, especially given what what we're dealing with this year. Uh, We're supporting him every way we can, but he's doing everything he can also to get here quick, which makes it sound to me like if the Reds get an injury to a catcher, Tyler Stevenson is probably the next guy along, and that makes me very excited because I want to see Tyler Stevenson because I have been a big believer, as listeners of the podcast will know, in Tyler Stevenson. I think, and, and actually, David Bell actually used the words that he's the, he's our catcher of the future. So tell me what about Tyler Stevenson, and does he make his debut this year? I mean, I, I think that the, the odds are very much overwhelmingly yes. Um, catchers get hurt. They, they do. It's, it's unfortunate, but it's a part of the, the job, and I think that they all know that. Um, the odds are that he's going to make his major league debut this year. And I think that they, it probably was going to happen um, in, in a normal year this year anyways. I mean, last year the Reds had like 17 catchers go on the disabled list uh, in like a three-week span in, in July last year. So, uh, I mean, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but if you're going to pick somebody on your roster that's going to get hurt, you're going to go with somebody who pitches or somebody who catches, right? Yeah, on this team, yeah. Um, and you know he he's close to ready. He, he had a whole year in Double A last year, performed well, and I mean he's one of your top prospects. It's not like you know he's not expected to come up soon, anyways. Um, and you know unfortunately we're dealing with what we're dealing with. The odds improve a little bit there just because you know that might just happen. It, it it's probably going to happen to somebody on the team. Yeah, you know if it were a regular season, I don't think Stevens is the first catcher called up if someone gets hurt. I think in the 60-game season, he probably is because every game is so much more important. I think you're right. He probably would have made his debut, but it, you know, unless the Reds had two or three injuries at catchers, I could see the Reds waiting until September 
because the Reds have played that game uh, with with prospects before. Uh, so maybe that works a little bit in his favor. I'm happy with Tucker Barnhart and Kirk Casale at catcher. I, you know, I, I don't have anything, any problem with either of those guys, and I would not have been in a regular season. I would not have been really pushing for Stevenson to be the opening day catcher, for example. But I really want to see this guy. I think he can be a legit. Uh, I think he can. He he has star potential at catcher, based on his uh, on his bat. And so I don't know if he's going to get there. You never know with these guys. But I'm so excited to see him, and I'm really happy to hear that the Reds are are open to his debut sooner rather than later. Not that we want Barnhart or Casale to get hurt, because both those guys are are pretty good in their own way. But I don't know. I'm I'm Tyler Stevenson. Maybe maybe he's my next uh, my next pet calls. I'm trying to decide hey, tonight. <laughs> you just flip a coin, Chad. I mean, you, you're not able to go wrong with either decision. So. Now the guy that I really want to ask you about, now, we may have talked about him a couple of weeks ago when uh, when we podcasted last, but uh, T.J. Antone is that how you pronounce the name T.J. Right? Yes. This is what I love about him. It should be Tehe, maybe, <laughs> but because uh, it's T.E.J.A.Y. I love the fact that it's T.J., but it's spelled T.E.J.A.Y. But anyway, he, if we all remember, I know you do, Doug. Back in the regular spring training. You were pretty high on him because he was looking pretty good at that time. And he's still looking pretty good right now in this uh, spring training uh, 2.0. Is T.J. Antone a guy that's going to get a chance at some point? I think he's opened some eyes, hasn't he? I mean, he has. Um, and I I, I mean, I, I think that he's got a legit chance to make the bullpen, um, especially to start the year because, one, they, they may want to go with some another guy that can be a long man and as a, as a starting pitcher, he can do that. But – you know, he's also a guy that came out throwing 96 to 98 miles per hour in spring training 1.0. Uh, he's pretty much throwing that hard right now, too. Uh, he struck out seven guys the other day in three innings uh, in one of the scrimmages. I mean, he's he's been impressive out there. Uh, you take that guy, you throw him in your bullpen for the first couple of weeks and see what happens when you've got 30 men to go to. I mean, you can make worse decisions, Chad. Yeah, out of nowhere to being on the opening day roster, and that's a different opening day roster, but that's a... That's a good story. I like it. Now, how old is uh, is Antone? I, I believe he's 26 now. He missed a year, year and a half right. uh, with Tommy John surgery um, when he was 24 to 25 ish, somewhere in there. Um, but you know, he he came back and he he got back to the guy that he was before. But the guy he was before was 89 to 92 with a really good sinker. Um, <laughs> and then this off season, uh, he just went out and he. I mean, I, I don't know the device that he was using, um, but it worked. It it really worked for him. So, you know, we ha- we haven't seen you know if he can hold that velocity over you know five, six, seven innings um, as a starting pitcher. But uh, yeah, if if they need somebody to throw in the bullpen, uh, you don't need him to throw for five, six, seven innings at that at that velocity either. Yeah, he's he's one of these guys that may just you know we want if they can be a starter, we'd rather him be a starter. You know, because that's more valuable to the team to throw more innings. But he's one of these guys that literally 89 to 92 when he was uh, starting, and now he's fully healthy and uh, throwing 96 to 98 as a reliever. So I hadn't thought about him actually making the opening day roster. That could be, that's like a Cinderella story. I mean, and Chad, his fastball, even at 96 98, might not be his best pitch. Uh, He made really big improvements with his slider last year. Uh, in the second half, once he got to Louisville, and I mean, I, I had reports coming in that you know, some people were putting a, a plus grade on that pitch. 
um, you know, I, some of the TrackMan metrics were basically saying that, uh, you know, it's one it's one of the best sliders in minor league baseball with one of the highest swing and miss rates. Uh, it's it's a good pitch, so it's not like he's just working with velocity. Yeah, and something you wrote about at the Red Lake Nation that really kind of piqued my interest, thinking, oh, this guy might be perfect for the Reds, is that uh, you noted he was he's been an all always been a a big ground ball guy, but uh, when that strikeout rate picked up, a heavy ground ball guy with a high strikeout rate that is perfect for Great American Ballpark. I mean, you can't you can't design a pitcher any better. So you're right, he may. Uh, he may have a big career ahead of him in Cincinnati because he may have the particular skills that make him a perfect pitcher for the Reds' bullpen. And uh, plus, he spells his name T E J A Y. There we go. That uh, Chad, is, this might be your new guy. I mean, I, I feel like you're <laughs> you're pretty high right now on on T J Antone. So. I am. I am, as a matter of fact. So hopefully, now let's. Uh, you want to answer some uh, some viewer mail, Doug Gray? I'm, I'm always down for viewer mail. These questions will come to us from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio, where you too can support the podcast. I appreciate everyone who has joined us over at the Patreon and uh, joined, the, joined the family, really. We have a good time uh, on our Slack channel, talking about the Reds every day, and just uh, hanging out. And And uh, I appreciate everyone that supported the podcast. Got a new uh, supporter this week that I want to give a big thank you to. And Doug, you know our custom is, when we get a new sub- new supporter at Patreon, we got to We've got to decide what position they're going to play on our uh, our beer league softball team. Actually, our beer league, uh, you know, we're going to say we're an, an independent baseball league team. We're going to, going to put together a team. And our new supporter this week is Jared B. Horn. Jared Horn. Now, Doug, what position do you think Jared Horn plays? I think he's a third baseman. A third baseman. You know, you know, I like that. I think he's a third baseman. I think he is a. Uh, he's got. Uh, he's a. His arm is a little erratic there. You know, he's a, he's got a little bit of Edwin Encarnacion. Not quite. He's not going to throw it into the fourth fourth row, but just enough that he worries you a little bit. But he gets to everything. He's got great range, and then he bats in the middle of your lineup. I think Jared Horn is probably your cleanup hitter, right? I mean, he might be my MVP. <laughs> he might be your MVP, Jared Horn, buddy. Really appreciate you joining the uh, the family at patreon.com slash redlegradio. And I will encourage all of you to go to Patreon and support us if you're able. Uh, we have some, some cool perks over there that you can uh, can get, but uh, we are uh, and we're having a good time. So the questions this week, as I said, will come from our friends at patreon.com slash redlegradio. The first comes from, I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy. His name is Philip Razor. You ever heard of this guy? I've heard of him once or twice. Philip's question is this. Dear Chad and Doug, first time caller, long time viewer. Why you got why you gotta start off with a lie? <laughs> he started off with a lie, didn't he? Philip did he says, I did the math. And living in Iowa, forty of the sixty Reds games this year, assuming they, they play, are gonna be blacked out for me. What should I do instead of watching those games? Thanks, and I'll take your answer off the air. He, he I think he thinks this is like a an actual radio show. So let me just talk about his uh, parenthetical information, assuming they play. My position, if you haven't heard it in previous podcasts, is I'm just going to, for the purposes of this podcast, we're going to assume they're going to play. I understand there's all the risks and the chances they may not. I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen, but I think there's a certainly a, a higher than zero chance they won't finish the season. But we're going to assume they are just for the purpose of this podcast. Now, I did the math, and living in Iowa, 40 of the 60 Reds games this year are going to be blacked out for me. 
what should I do instead of watching those games? I think probably we're talking Iowa. You go and uh, tip some cows, maybe. What do you think, Doug? You got a suggestion for what Philip can do instead of uh, instead of watching the Reds? And tipping cows? Yeah, I do. Move somewhere where you can watch Reds games. Ah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, can we talk about how ridiculous the blackout rules are? I mean, if you, if you want to, I've got I've got plenty of takes. Yeah, I mean, I, you're welcome to say whatever you want, but I think everyone agrees at this point. It's ridiculous that he lives in Iowa. There's no baseball in Iowa. There's no Major League Baseball in Iowa. Thank you very much. <laughs> the Doug, the minor league guy, corrects me very quickly. Um, well, there's no minor league baseball in Iowa this year either. But. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> 40 of the – if my math is correct, that's two-thirds of the of the season. I mean, I didn't go to – a wonderful college like Virginia, but uh, that also is my math. Uh, that's a really a shame because you know Philip, for all his faults, and I assume he has some faults. I don't know what any of them are, but um, he's a big Reds fan, and he can't follow his favorite team. Uh, they got to do something about these blackout rules, don't they? They really do. It, it's it's ridiculous. All right, so uh, tip cows or move from Iowa. Those are the the two choices. The other the other choice maybe is hey, watch some cool movies. I like movies. Yeah. Get a, get a VPN and just cheat baseball out of their money. I guess I don't know. Don't don't. This is not legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. Okay, I am a, well a former lawyer, and I'm not subscribing to that advice. But if you wanted to take Doug's advice, I'm not going to yell at you. How about that? Fair enough. Joe Farsing asks, "What's worse, laugh tracks in sitcoms or piped-in crowd noise for sports?" Now the subtext there is, and I didn't get to see it today because. Uh, because I was uh, working, but evidently today's uh, Reds, uh, they do this broadcast every day, you know, which has been great. I've lo- I love it. But uh, they piped in some uh, some crowd noise from MLB The Show, Doug. Did you get to experience that? I did, and I'm going to be honest. I, I didn't like it. I think it'll work better in the regular season than it did today because today it was just the crowd noise. There were no broadcasters talking over it. And so mm-hmm. and, until the ball was actually put in play, it kind of just sounded like running water. And then, you know, when the play was made, you know, you got some applause or cheers. Um, in, in some other ballparks, they've actually put in the, the, the booze when the quote-unquote away team does things. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny when the, the Brewers got Christian Yelich. Uh, they, the crowd booed him as he walked to the plate the other day. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that it'll work out a little bit better when you have people talking over it. And it's, it's really quote-unquote background noise. Um, whereas today on the Reds broadcast, it was just all you heard, and it was it was weird. I I, I was not a fan. So they were uh, they were doing it basically, uh, kind of based on what happened on the field. They were someone someone was making them cheer more, I guess, when uh, when something good happened on the field. Was that is that how they did it today? Yeah, yeah. Like when when let's say, you know, there there was a lot of uh, weak contact today against Trevor Bauer. So when the, the fielder would catch the weak fly ball. You know the the crowd would get a little bit more antsy, and you know they they give you little claps here and there. But, oh, cool! Uh, it it was, yeah. I don't know. It was it was weird. <laughs> well, I, I'll say that you know I, I watch a lot of uh, European football, and let me just say uh, Tottenham Hotspur defeated uh, Arsenal this week in the North London Derby, and uh, then they beat uh, Newcastle United. But if you didn't pay attention to the the, the stands and you didn't know. You would never know in these uh, European football games 
that the fans aren't there because they do such a good job of, and I've said this on the podcast before, but they do such a good job of kind of following the action and somebody's hitting a button at the right moments, you know, and if the if Tottenham scores, uh, which they did, Harry Kane had two uh, goals against um, Newcastle and my, my man Yuming San uh, has had a couple goals uh, in the last two games. He's just the, the best player in the history of the world, but it really, it, it seems exactly the same as most of our, our games that we watch on, on television. So, I'm okay with it, whatever. And I think you're right. I think adding uh, broadcasters over probably will because they're broadcasting the games in, in the Premier League like they will be in baseball. And I think you're right. I think it'll be fine. Now, the the flip side of Joe Farsing's question is laugh tracks and sitcoms. And so I, do we agree, though, that the piped-in crowd noise is – or that laugh tracks and sitcoms is worse than the piped-in crowd noise for sports? Yes. Okay. There we go. So the, the answer is – Laugh tracks and sitcoms are worse. And and I ha- I've hated laugh tracks and sitcoms for years, which is why Red Lake Nation Radio is uh, recorded before a live studio audience. Makes sense. I did not know that. I, I You know, I appreciate the crowd that shows up every week. I just didn't know why they were here. Exactly. Hooper Powell, my guy Hooper Powell, asks a question. And it actually recalls a topic that I had intended kind of to get into, uh, but we kind of ran out of time earlier. His first question is, why am I so excited to see Jose Garcia? Should I really be? And we talked about Tyler Stevenson maybe making his deb- debut this year. And there was some some talk this week that Jose Garcia, you know, depending on what happens, he's close, that he might get a chance, right? So is Hooper Powell, uh, is, he, is he wrong to be excited about Jose Garcia? I mean, he's not. I mean, you, we talked to Freddie Galvis this week, and, you know, Trey Galvis basically said, you know, he he's got you know superstar potential, and I I, I agree with that. Um, now, un, unfortunately, I think that if we see Jose Garcia this year, it's because somebody got hurt, and you don't ever want to see that. Um, but I definitely can get on board being excited to see Jose Garcia because, I mean, it's I don't want to say it's been a very long time since the Reds have had a good shortstop, but I think it's been well probably since Barry Larkin that the Reds have had a shortstop prospect like this. Um, that you could really, truly see a guy who could be a, a regular all-star if they meet their potential. Yeah, yeah. And we don't know who's going to make that, but there's no question he has that potential. So no, no uh, Hooper, um, you're not wrong to be excited about Jose Garcia. Now, I think that it's a stretch to see him playing this year, but if Freddie Galvis gets hurt in the first uh, month of the season, the first three weeks or something, and he's going to be out the rest of the year, I think you got to go to Garcia. Now, if he's going to be out for a week... You probably try to patch the patch the lineup up for a little while until, until Galvis gets back. And I don't want Galvis to get hurt. Galvis, I think, he's got some flaws as a player, but he also has some value to this team. I don't hate Freddie Galvis, and I've already told you I love his hair. But uh, I think the only way he really gets to play probably is if he there's a, a long-term injury to Galvis. But beginning next year, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think I can see Jose Garcia being the starting shortstop on opening day 2021. Now, am I crazy about that, Doug? Crazy? No. Um, I'm not completely convinced it's going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it'd be tough, you know, given uh, that he's really not playing the upper levels of the minor leagues. And this year he's not going to play any of the minor leagues. I don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, but, you know, what he is going to do this year, I mean, even if, we just gonna, if we're just going to count what's happened since the start of July, I mean, he's kind of been playing at some weird hybrid double-A, triple-A major league level uh, with all the competition he's playing against right now. And that's going to continue, assuming that everything goes as hoped, you know, through September, through October. Yeah. If 
I mean, I, I guess we haven't really heard how that's going to play out in October if, you know, for teams to make the playoffs, but I can't imagine they're going to shut down their their secondary site because, you know, things are going to happen. They're going to need those. They may need those players. So yeah. He, he's he's going to have that high-level experience, even though, you know, next year we can't go look up the stats that he put up at Prasco Park on baseball reference. Like, he, he's going to have that experience and that playing time. We're just not going to have, you know, hey, he hit 14 home runs or whatever it happens to be in his time there. Yeah, I bet a lot of teams will... And, and presumably the Reds at their secondary site will you know, inter-squad scrimmages, things like that, get, really get them as much game action, quote-unquote game action, as you can. And you're right, he's playing against some pretty good players at that point. You know, it's the top, uh, it'll be the top, you know, 30, 30, 34 players in the organization in a lot of ways, uh, other than the guys that are on the major league roster. So, eh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm just really, I, I'm really hopeful that we're going to see Jose Garcia sooner rather than later, and that he becomes the guy that we all kind of, kind of hope he will be. Now, Hooper's next question was this: Also, Chad, King of Staten Island. That's the name of a movie that just came out. King of Staten Island that I've not actually watched yet, but he says King of Staten Island was a real stinker. But any thoughts on FX's The Americans? Now, Doug, have you ever seen either Stat, uh, King of Staten Island or The Americans? I have not finished The Americans, but I believe that I'm through season four and into season five. And I presume you've not seen that movie. I have not seen that movie. I haven't no. either. It's, I, I'm I'm aware of it though. It stars that guy that's on Saturday Night Live, uh, Pete. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Is it Pete or something? Gosh, what's that guy's it, name? It is. It is Pete. Oh my gosh! I'm also drawing a blank, and this is going to drive me nuts because I was just thinking of his name four seconds before you mentioned it, and now it's gone. Well, Doug likes having the name Pete in his head, so we're just going to say Pete. Ah. <laughs> and uh, uh, Yeah, I don't know about that movie. Uh, Bill Burr's in it. I like Bill Burr. He's a comedian, but I, I will see it eventually, but I don't think so. Now, my thoughts on FX is the Americans, and I'm going to quickly here because uh, we're running, running short on time, but my thoughts on the Americans, there are two thoughts. Number one, the Americans at times was as good as anything I've ever watched on television. And the final season of The Americans was absolutely great. And the second thought is, The Americans is the series that absolutely made me swear off any more series television. I don't know that I'm ever going to watch any more series ever in my life. Now, that makes no sense at all, does it, Doug? I mean, it, it doesn't. But, I mean, you get to make your own decisions for yourself. Here's why. The Americans was like... 45 seasons. It took us forever to finish that thing. Now, we don't binge watch very much in our house. We just we don't watch television like that. And so, you know, we're watching one, one, maybe two episodes a night when we could get a chance, you know, two or three nights a week. And so it took forever to get through the Americans, even though it was pretty good. And we didn't want to quit because we were so deep into it. And it is good. If you, if you binge watch and you don't mind watching, I think it was seven seasons, uh, making through all that, uh, then, okay, watch it. It's really pretty good. But it, it solidified in my mind the reason why I don't watch TV series anymore, which is that I'm not willing to commit 40 hours when I could watch 20 different movies during that time. That's my opinion. And I know I'm a movie guy, but uh, The Americans is what absolutely soured me on series television. So tell me why I'm wrong, Doug, and then we'll go to the next question. I mean, I'll, I'll give you two words as to why you're wrong. Carrie Russell. You kind of won that argument, Doug. That's actually part of the reason why we stuck with it. I mean, she's great in it. Um, oh, the guy, what's the guy's name? 
Uh, Matthew Reese. Matthew Reese. He was in. Uh, he was in this uh, movie, uh, the Mister Rogers movie, with Tom Hanks, and he was great in it. Won't you be my neighbor? Good movie. It was a good one. I enjoyed it. Yeah, and uh, he's but he's in a new series now, and I like him from the Americans, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should start watching that series. And I think I'm going to refuse to watch it, even though it's kind of <laughs> up my alley. It's uh, it's Perry Mason, so it's a legal thing, which you think would appear to appeal to me. But I don't know. That guy's good, but phew. although seven seasons of Carrie Russell, I agree. It's not not the worst thing in the world. It's not. Joe Farsing, another question. Follow-up question, what will the Reds do for their championship parade since crowds still won't likely be a thing in November? I like the idea that we're assuming there's going to be a championship parade. I think it's going to be on Zoom. That's my opinion. What do you think, Doug? I, You know, I think they could get really creative with how they do it. Um, I feel like Zoom wouldn't work because there'd be, I don't know, 450,000 people on one Zoom call. And I just, that's a lot of faces. What about uh, making the parade from Dayton to Cincinnati and just make sure everybody's six feet apart? I mean, <laughs> I'm not asking anybody to walk from Dayton to Cincinnati, much less in November in Ohio. That's ah, come on. Seems like uh, a perfect solution. I, I mean, you're smarter than I am, Chad, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, clearly uh, I'm not. <laughs> Dwight Kelly asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Now, he starts this out, Dwight, my man. You're really trying to irritate me. Question for Doug are his first three words. It's like I'm not even here. You are here, Chad, because first off, you get to read the question. And you can just totally, you know, since my name is also Dwight, you could just, you know, get both of us Dwights over and just <laughs> make up a fake question. I wouldn't know any better. Dwight won't find out until later, and then you win. Well, Dwight Kelly is dead to me, but uh, here's his question for Doug. I'll go ahead and ask it. In all your minor league travels, in spite of it being in the Sally League with no Reds affiliate, did you ever visit Fleur Field in Greenville, South Carolina? It's a great park with similarities to Fenway as they are a Boston affiliate. Good place to take in a game. And it is across the street from the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum. Doug, there's your question. I, I haven't. I, the only fields that I've been to are ones where Reds affiliates were playing at the time. And it's it's been... Nearly 20 years since the Reds were in the uh, South Atlantic League. So that was before I started covering the farm system for the Reds. Well, I've going to drop the bomb on Dwight Kelly here. I have visited that field. He knew this, Chad. <laughs> he, I think he was just playing both of us on this one. As a matter of fact, earlier today, for some reason, that, that came up. Someone was talking about Greenville, South Carolina. I said, oh, yeah, I went there and I went to that cool field they've got. They really they have their own little green monster and it's really a really nice minor league field. I like it a lot. So I know that question wasn't for me, Dwight. So forget it. You don't get to hear my answer. Just you. Have, oh, uh, I guess, you, you, oh man. He already heard it. But um, yeah, one of my good friends from uh, from high school actually lives in Greensville, and so one time I was down there and uh, <laughs> went to the game. Cool stadium. I like it. Risto Neely asks. My guy Risco, I, this is a this is a tough one here. Another musical question for Chad, the king of popular culture. What do you think about that, Doug? The king of popular culture. Sounds right to me. Yeah. I mean, I absolutely yeah. not true. I like it. It's absolutely uh, not true. You're the king of pop culture on this podcast. Well, I guess I'm whatever I say. I'm on this podcast. In what two films 
The first being a 60s Cold War classic, the second being a 1990s sci-fi classic, does the song We'll Meet Again, sung by Vera Lynn, appear. Rista was trying to give me some trivia in our uh, viewer mail se- segment. And actually, he gave the answers here, but I knew I knew one of those answers. Uh, the first is Dr. Strangelove, and the second is Wall-E. And uh, Doug, have you seen both those uh, movies, or have you seen either of those movies? Yes. Uh, but I feel like we're trying to be tricked here because Wally came out in the 2000s. That's right. He said 1990s. It was in the 2000s. Yeah. Uh, so he tried to trick us. He tried to trip us up. Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and uh, Love the Bomb, I think is the name of it. Stanley Kubrick film, one of the greatest films in uh, the history of the world. Just absolutely fantastic. Starring George C. Scott, who uh, was born in the same hometown as me. Well, I wasn't born in this hometown. But the same hometown where I uh, grew up. And uh, and Wally, the single worst Pixar movie, and it's not even close. Are you a Wally lover? I mean, I I don't hate it. Yeah, you should hate it. I should hate it. Yeah, I stand behind no one in my love for Pixar movies, but Wally is disgracefully bad. I I need more information. Just don't go watch it again, because if you watch it, you realize how awful it is now. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Terrible. Okay. One last uh, comment from Risto. I'll go ahead and read it, because I appreciate you being a contributor here. We talked about, Risto had a question for Bill Lack in our last episode about Jack Billingham, and uh, and we, we answered the question, and Risto says, Bill, I owe you an apology. I reviewed years 72 through 76 of Building the Machine. So I appreciate you going back and listening to those uh, those episodes, uh, Risto. Uh, and if you all haven't listened to Building the Machine, it's still on our, our feed for free. We 12 episodes where we've talked about building the Big Red Machine and, and how it uh, how it collapsed. Uh, it didn't really collapse, but how it finished. But he says, and I stand corrected. You did mention him. Um, once again, your younger and superior memory has proved itself again. The trade <laughs> for Billingham and Morgan has to go down as one of the best in Red's history. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Jack Billingham and Joe Morgan. And you trade away Lee May, Tommy Helms, but... You also, he's not mentioned, you get uh, Cesar Geronimo in that deal. Man, what a great trade. Why don't the Reds make a trade like that again? I mean, they they, they traded uh, the, the bloated corpse of Alfredo Simon for for what? Gino. Ooh, gosh. That one's still got to hurt somebody a lot. Like, not, not me. Like, I love it. But somebody has nightmares about that trade every night, don't they? Oh, can I give you some kudos for uh, for referencing the bloated corpse? Of Alfredo Simon. Oh, it's my favorite phrase ever. Can, can I trade those kudos in for, like, brownie points? Because I, I really want brownies right now. Yes. million brownie yes. points to Doug Gray. Doug, mm-hmm. any final thoughts for us? Um, I mean, the next time that you guys get to listen to Red Lake Nation Radio, it's going to be opening day. I'm pretty excited about that, Chad. That is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Thank you, Doug, for joining us again this week. Uh, This is Red Leg Nation Radio. You can find us wherever you find your finest podcasts. Wherever they're available, we're there. You can follow us at Red Leg Radio on Twitter. You can follow uh, Doug's Red Leg Nation at Red Leg Nation. You can also follow Doug at DougDirt24 on Twitter.com. You also need to go to RedLegNation.com every single day where we've been following the Reds. Way back since... 2005. Doug, always fun talking to you, buddy. I'm glad you had me on once again. I don't know why you keep doing it, but I appreciate it. For Doug Gray and the bloated corpse of Alfredo Simon, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. 
Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.